The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. How are you, sir? This is Peter. Oh. I can't believe I'm talking to you, Dr. Ray the Great. Oh, I don't know about that. I love listening to you. You have a personality just like my father. I don't think you should feel helpless. You are helpless. Doctor, I really appreciate that. That makes me feel a lot better. You be at peace, or else I'm going to yell at you. Trying to find a reason to speak to you. I think you're the best thing since plays bread. That Ray, he's something. Thank you so much for what you're doing for all the parents out there. I don't know what I can possibly do. I don't either. I'm getting my money worth, I think, with this phone call. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Ever notice he never says the hometown to Dr. Ray? I mean, obviously, Mother Angelica's got to get top billing, way above top billing. But an afterthought, maybe just kind of a, oh, also, uh, the hometown of uh, Roy Ganuti or Ron Ganeri or, or whatever that dude's name is that's on this radio. Good to have you with me. This is Dr. Ray Garendi. I pronounced my name right. I asked Mom. I was, I don't know, about, about 11. Mom, why did you name me Raymond? She said, because I couldn't spell. Blah. No, she didn't. That's just an old joke. Those of you don't be don't be upset. No parents should never say that to their children. That's an old old joke. Okay, this is E Person Monday. Not assuming these emails are E females or emails. They are E persons. We'll get to those momentarily. Uh, I noticed something. Forget. Sometimes I, I get around. And in these various talks or places I give talks, there are folks there that are very high profile, very high profile in the Catholic world. And I observe people being nervous about talking with them. Flighty, getting kind of kind of unsure of themselves. I got to thinking, now this is, reasonably true with with those of you who are in the catholic world media world and you take your faith very deeply and so someone in the catholic world um, that you respect some of you get kind of nervous about and i thought i extrapolated that to the general public it would seem to me that much of the general public if they were in the presence of a high-profile rock star, movie star, sports star, someone that our culture adulates. They would be nervous. They'd be, they would be unsure of themselves. They would, they would be stumbling for words. And I think it's safe to say that those who consider themselves faith-filled Christians, some, some would, would be nervous too. Talking with a all-star basketball player or football player or talking with a big-time movie actor, they, they wouldn't be 
as at ease as they would be with their friend, their brother, their mother, their spouse, the people in their lives. Because they would view this person as something special. Something that is, uh, in some respects, above them in accomplishments or achievements or recognition or status. I got to thinking, and I connected these dots, and wouldn't you hate to be me to think like this, but I connected these dots to my praying the rosary. Okay, Ray, wait a minute. How, how are you getting from that to that? Let me explain in the words of Ricky Ricardo. <clears throat> if I, too, would be somewhat nervous, somewhat unsure of myself, somewhat uh, stumbling over my words and phrases if I met a high-profile somebody, I pray the rosary... And much of the time, I have to bring myself back to paying attention. I've often said that if I pray a whole rosary, I've got four Hail Marys that are good ones. I started to think, I'm not nervous or unsure of myself talking to the Queen of Heaven. Or the God of the universe or the Savior of the world. I'm not. It's more of a kind of a very eh, easygoing, relaxed conversation. Now, some might say, well, that's the way it should be, Dr. Ray. Come on. You want to have a warm relationship with our Lord. And I agree 100%. But it just struck me that the, if you want to use the word status, the status of our Lord and the status as a human of the Blessed Virgin are way, well, the Lord is infinitely above the highest profile person on earth, and Our Lady is well, well, well above the highest profile person on earth, not infinitely. But I'm not nervous when I talk to them. Sometimes people say, well, I got mad at the Lord. Whoa, be careful there. Ooh. Who, who are we to get mad at God? God, I just don't understand why you did this. You owe me an explanation. Huh? You understand God's providence? But we become so familiar that not only do we have no sense that we're talking to someone of unbelievable, infinite, can't-wrap-your-head-around status, that we get more nervous talking about somebody on earth that the, that the population has decided they are worthy of some kind of recognition above the normal human if you really <clears throat> wanted to draw some comparisons, <clears throat> it is likely that there are people in your life, 
who are so devoutly faith-filled that in God's economy, they are well, 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 well spiritually above these high-profiled individuals that we so adulate. We don't get nervous around them. Now, I know you're saying, come on, Dr. Ray. This is talk- now you're talking apples and oranges here, Dr. Ray. Come on. I understand that. But I guess what I'm saying is, if we keep in mind just exactly who we are conversing with when we pray, there would be an element of awe and respect that we more easily seem to feel with people that the world says are famous. And these are people just like us. The saints in heaven, the angels in heaven, blessed virgin, our Lord. Now these, these are people of uh, high or infinite status. And it just hit me. It just hit me. I'm nervous when I talk to somebody that I think has worldly status. I watch what I say. But yet, I pray to God, like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's the dude next door. You know, just talk to him. Uh, maybe I ought to work a little harder at remembering who I'm talking to. All righty, when we come back, I already got the E-persons lined up. Thanks for joining me. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. I said to the churches one day, what do you think you're going to look like in heaven? Oh, some of them had absolutely magnificent ideas. I didn't think of one of them. So I got desperate because then my turn came. I didn't know what to say. And so in desperation, I said, what do you think I'll wear in heaven? And they all said with one voice, armor. (laughs) EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plan, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right. Pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton. Some of our children. I'll tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to setonhome.org. That is setonhome.org. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. 
You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Dr. Rigorendi, an elite member of Catholic Media's SWAT team. Stopping whining and tantrums. Sensitive, nurturant, post-zeros guy, my own personal Y2 Ray. Nice to have you with me on this E-Person Monday. This came in a while back, and I should have gotten to it, but I didn't, because it's a good one. I recently watched Nefarious. Nefarious was a movie about a death row prisoner who was manifesting possession. If you haven't seen the movie, I personally, for what it's worth, highly recommend it. Uh, Some exorcists have commented that it is a very realistic portrayal of a possession. Now, interestingly enough, the psychiatrist, his name was James Martin in the in the movie, the psychiatrist was carrying on a dialogue with the demon. And many exorcists would tell you, you don't carry on a dialogue. You don't you don't debate them. You command them. Now, by the way, it's it's out of the theaters, but you can you can stream it. And I have long been skeptical, Dr. Ray, about multiple personality disorder. That is a very fascinating manifestation of psychic disorder. That's the popular name for it. The present official name is dissociative identity disorder. I could see how you would be skeptical. Because what exactly is it? How does it manifest itself? What is going on about it? And is it as common as one might think? I mean, it was made popular in a movie with Joanne Woodward, The Three Faces of Eve, okay? And I think there was another movie called Sybil. I think she had supposedly 16 different personalities. Now, when you when you start getting into that, you got to start asking some question, okay, what is exactly manifesting here? He goes on. I don't dispute that chemicals in the brain can be abnormal, but I'm uncertain if it's cause or effect. Now, I'm not exactly sure what he means by that. Let's let's see if he goes on to clarify. Do you know if there's ever been a study of the brain during possession? I would think not. I would think it would be absolutely too hard to do. I think you could take a look at the brain when there was an overt demonic manifestation However, even at that, we really don't have the tools to identify unless there's an actual brain lesion, a tumor, something we can pick up. For most mental disorders, it is neurochemically based, and that's much, much harder to measure. Then he says, that's probably not the best time for a study. Well, my friend, that's an understatement. You're absolutely correct. And I would think if a demon is in full manifestation, he's not going to allow it. 
But I'm sure that there are cases where psychologists did tests before the exorcist got involved. Yes, that's very true. As a matter of fact, and even if you go way back, hundreds of years ago, in the church's prescriptions, the church's guidelines for a proper exorcism, one of the first things they say, and they weren't as quote-unquote scientifically, psychologically knowledgeable as we are now, but they said, you got to make sure this is not a mental disorder. This is not something caused by a aberrant reaction, action in the brain. And exorcists will tell you that possession, all-out possession, is quite rare. And the majority, the vast majority of the time, what may appear on the surface to be demonic oppression or demonic possession is in fact mental disorder. And that is why many people, if not most, will go through a series of psychological evaluations before before they move towards the exorcism. Now, there are certain indications over and above what would be a mental disorder that could indicate that there's possession here. One, knowledge of languages they should have no knowledge of, either ancient languages that have long since fallen out of disuse or languages they've never been exposed to. Sanskrit. Two, superhuman strength. Strength beyond comprehension, beyond adrenaline-fueled strength. You know, we all read the stories of the mom whose husband or, or son is pinned underneath a car which collapsed, uh, collapses off of a jack, and then she picks it up. This five foot three, 140-pound woman picks it up. We've, seen, we've heard those stories, but it's not, that's just not what this is. Superhuman strength. Knowledge they should not have. For example, if they say, I know what your nickname was when you were four, and I know who called you that. And the priest is thinking, I, I've never told anybody. And furthermore, how would the demon know? Okay, so they have knowledge of things they shouldn't know. Now, sometimes people say uh, a severe aversion to holy things. And I was talking to, well, I heard one exorcist say that's not always the case. It's not always the case. So, there are distinct, if you will, additions to possession that are over and above whatever could manifest itself in a mental disorder. Exorcists are acutely aware that mental complications have to be ruled out prior to pursuing exorcism. There is something that I've most recently connected with it's called the Exorcist's Files. It's a priest, Carlos Martins. He is an exorcist. And these are from his files and his notes of exorcisms that he has done. It is a dramatization, so I'm sure they, 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 they fill in 
the particulars, but the theme and the gist is accurate. It's very educational. They give a lot of information from the catechism, from the church's teachings, from specifics about demonology and exorcism and how you open a portal oftentimes for, well, not you, but people open a portal for a demon to take hold. They give an awful lot of good instruction within the dramatization, the exorcist's files. They have a psychiatrist that he's he's been there for 25, 30 years, very, very high profile, very well known, very respected. He's involved in not only ruling out mental illness, but he also, and I saw him in an interview, or I heard him in an interview, where he basically said it is his belief that, in fact, there is activity of demons. He's seen it. He's been there. He has seen the laws of nature totally broken. Things flying that shouldn't be flying. Levitation that's not humanly possible. Changes in perception of what the possessed person looks like. He's he's quite believable. He's quite believable. So that's just kind of a a primer onto that. Let me go to see where we're at with this other one here. Oh, why do you do that? My phone jumps. You know, when I'm back getting this e person from back in the past, then as soon as I lose the phone, it jumps all the way to the present, and then I have to go all the way back, and i got to find it again. All right, let me see where I'm on this one here. That was a 7-9. All right, see what they got here. Oh, okay, i got time. I'm a 61-year-old working woman. I've raised three boys with my husband. I am now divorced. For the past 10 years, I've been battling alcoholism. I'm sober now. I was uninvited to my oldest son's wedding in 2014 because of my alcoholism. Well, I don't know if it was because she couldn't be predictable. And in fact, the son and maybe the wife-to-be said, look, you can't have your mother here. She could just alcohol here. She's drinking. Not possible. I don't know. I don't know what it is. He is a Catholic. She says, here's how he she describes it. He wears his Catholicism on his sleeve. Yet, he has not spoken to me in five years. I've tried everything. He says he has forgiven me, but he is hurt. It's hard for me to understand how you could say you've forgiven somebody, your mother, and you refuse to talk to her. You refuse to have any contact with her, especially if she's reached out to you. And indeed, nobody's going to argue about the alcoholism, and nobody's going to argue that it could have been ugly, but to basically say, I have written my mother out of my life, that's okay, it gets more complicated. I've recently been diagnosed with a brain aneurysm. I'm going to have major brain surgery in September. He knows that and has still not contacted me. He has a busy life. I just do not understand why he has not contacted me. Then she followed up on the same day. And she said, how can he not talk to his mother in five years? I'm heartbroken. I think about him every day. I just don't understand. Well, Mom, I got to tell you, 
from what you've said, I don't either. Now, I would imagine if I asked your son, he would say, here's why. Here's what's happened. Here's what she did. Here's how unpredictable she is. I can't put my children in that way. Now, okay. All right. And I know there are those of you listening who are thinking, okay, Dr. Ray, come on. You don't know my mother. You don't know my father. Uh, If you did, you wouldn't have in your life either. Okay. But this is a situation where no contact. Hasn't even texted her. Hasn't called her. It's one thing to say, all right, you're too unpredictable to be part of my life. You're dangerous. Although that's not all that common. Most of the time it's, I don't like who you are. You're difficult. You're toxic. But to write the person out, I don't understand it either. I just want to comment a little bit more on it when we get back. Connection with Teresa Tomio. Learn and spread the word about the food, clothing, parenting classes, financial assistance that these resource centers provide moms, and not just for a few weeks after the baby is born, but often for up to four years after birth. Don't assume that just because you haven't heard about pro-life resources or efforts that they don't or aren't available, or that the church hasn't been involved. The media, and I know this firsthand from my years of experience, have been working with the abortion industries to suppress information about resources as well as totally misrepresent or blatantly lie about what the pro-life community offers moms and families in need. And last but not least, do some homework and prayerfully give thanks to these pro-life warriors and consider becoming a pro-life warrior yourself. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio, Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, on EWTN Radio. What does the Catholic Catechism teach about divorce? The Church does not permit divorce in a valid marriage because she is firmly adhering to the rules set down by her founder. Jesus Christ made it very clear that a sacramental valid marriage was not to be dissolved. Whoever divorces his wife, he declared, and marries another commits adultery against her, And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Therefore, the Church maintains a second marriage cannot be recognized as valid if the first marriage is valid. The Catechism tells us if the divorced are remarried civilly, they find themselves in a situation that objectively contravenes God's law. In such a situation, they may not receive Eucharistic communion as long as this situation persists. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. A linguistics professor is lecturing his class. In English, he says, a double negative forms a positive. But there isn't a single language, not one, in which a double positive can express a negative. A voice from the back shouts out, yeah, right. (laughs) Not bad, not bad. All right. 
I'm just finishing up an e-person from a very distressed <coughs> older mom has a son. Now she admits she was she says I'm a recovering alcoholic and she said I just noticed this. I didn't see it in her first e-person and I'm doing very well right now. I have a wonderful relationship with two of my other sons, but I have one son who uninvited me to his wedding about 10 years ago based on my behaviors. Okay, so we got that. So she, he figures she's unpredictable. We had a relationship for a couple of years, but he hasn't spoken to me in five. He is, as she, she says this. Now, I don't know exactly what this means because I've seen a lot of people who are, quote-unquote, devout Catholics because they're devotional. But the love part is erratic. He's a devout Catholic. I've only met one of his children. Now, she's going to have brain surgery, and she says he just won't... She says he's very outspoken about his faith. He hasn't talked to me in five years. I'm heartbroken. I think about him every day. I don't understand. Well, I don't either, Mom, on the basis of what you've said. I can't understand it. Uh, in your previous email, you said he said he's hurt. Okay. Maybe there's some ugly history there. Not unusual. Okay, with people close to us. You can have ugly histories. The core of our faith... Now, I can understand this. You know, a lot of grandparents, a lot of parents will tell me that their adult offspring don't talk to them, have written them off, but they've also written off the faith. So their view is, I don't like your faith, I don't like the faith, and therefore it doesn't bother me that I've written you off because that's the best thing for me to do. But when you say and when you supposedly evidence that you are still in the faith, you embrace the faith, and you still write your parents out of your lives. And they're not dangerous. They're not going to do anything traumatic to your children. Which is, thankfully, fairly uncommon. They're just obnoxious or unpleasant or difficult or alcoholic or whatever. And you write them off. You just basically, you, you don't return their contacts you don't text them you don't do anything they are no longer a part of your life i don't see how you can possibly do that and proclaim you are a faithful catholic you could be a bad catholic and do that but don't don't think that you are because the very center of our faith in saint john's letter he says, how can you say you love God, but you do not love the people you see? We will be judged by how we love. And I, this, this is something that I, I can't fathom. Uh, again, it, it's one of the more puzzling things of my psychological existence. All right, so I got that. Let me move further down here. See what this one says. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ray, you've always said that if we want to raise a one in a million child, we have to be a one in a million parent. Well, there's no guarantees on that. I mean, I've seen a lot of 
great parents raise children that just go kaflooey. But but that's let me put it to you this way. You raise the odds of raising a great kid, a one in a hundred kid, a one in a thousand kid, if you in fact are that level of parent. I read your discipline books after my husband of almost twenty years abandoned me, our four little children, and our faith. I gained control over the household. My daughter is 18, and people often comment that she's different from any young adult they ever met. Her faith, her maturity, and her confidence are amazing. I can't take credit because part of it is her own character and personality. Yeah, I want to comment on that. I heard... I heard one mom say this. You're not as good a parent as your best kid. And by best meaning the ones who who seem to turn out most responsible, most faithful. And you're not as bad a parent as your worst kid. Yes, because temperament and personality are big factors in how kids absorb your parenting. Some just absorb it. And what you teach and what you try to guide them with, they take it in and they become wonderful human beings. Others resist it. Others give you a little more battle about it. Tonight, she was invited on the following podcast. Listen to her defend her faith, Dr. Ray, if you have a minute to look or later after the podcast. My wife made the observation once about certain of our children. And she said, we didn't make them. And by that she meant we didn't make their personalities. You know, if they if they are by nature gentle-spirited or by nature... Uh, more kind-hearted or by nature more open, tolerant. We tried to teach that as best we could. But much of that was who they are, who they grew up to be. Nature is enormously powerful. Come on, I know I'm talking to you parents who look at some of your kids and go, wow, if I just looked at that child, I'd think I'm a great parent. But if I look at that child over there, I think I'm a total failure. Because temperament is a big factor. Obviously not the only one. Your parenting is a big one. And the culture surrounding us is a huge one. More so than ever Because this culture has the ability to reach inside your home and shape your kids and how they think. But I think her point is well taken and she recognizes it. She says, I didn't I didn't make her who she was. But because of who she was, she was more open to her mother's guidance.
Today, many U.S. citizens chafe under big government and have actually turned anti-government. St. Paul, however, teaches that in some way, the civic authorities are ministers of God. Even King Jesus didn't consider it unjust to give taxes to Caesar. But we must never let Caesar or the king, the prime minister, uh, stand in the place of God and control our conscience. When ancient Israel demanded that Samuel give them a human king, Samuel warned them that he's going to bring heavy taxes, he's going to bring a military draft, he's going to favor the rich. And when Jesus, the true king, actually arrives, he dies for his people, because that's what a true king is willing to do. King Jesus, still on the throne, no matter what presidents, dictators, or earthly rulers do. And we have to remember, we get our marching orders from him. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. And now, the EWTN Family Prayer with Father Joseph. Family, a prayer that we pray together is a powerful prayer. So please pray together with me, our EWTN Family Prayer. Today we pray for those who have diabetes. Almighty God, we worship you, our Father. And we pray this day for those who suffer with diabetes. Look upon your children with this illness and grant them relief. Give them patience and the grace of perseverance in taking care of their health. Show them the way to physical and spiritual well-being. Let their cry come to your ears and bring them healing in mind and body and soul. We ask this in the holy name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. Joining me here, Dr. Ray Grandy, program Dr. Zid. <clears throat> Variant of the program. E-Person Monday. Get a chance to work my way through your E-Persons as they come in. My website, drray.com. If you'd like to take a look at any of the books, they're all there. Somebody asked me, uh, well, you got a lot of books. I said, yes. I've learned the secret to writing a lot of books. You can't worry about him being too good. <laughs> okay, I hope you don't believe me on that one. Uh, I just, I, you know, I, I, I love nutrition. I, I just am so fascinated by nutrition and all its effects on our body and all the ways to eat healthier and how you can eat for, for better quality of life. And I just came across something. I've realized that elephants, buffalo, and cows seem to be evidence that you don't lose much weight by eating greens and walking. Huh. I'll have to have to look into that further. All right, let's see where we're going with this one here. This is a cute one. Dr. Ray just had to relay this conversation to you. I was in the car with three of my four sons. We have ten children total. We were listening to your show. Someone called in about discipline issues. I said, 
I like this guy. My 15-year-old said, who is this? I replied, Dr. Ray. My 17-year-old said, wait, Dr. Dre? Now, for those of you not as sophisticated in pop culture, Dr. Dre is a a, a hip-hop artist or rap star. Me. No, not Dr. Dre. Dr. Ray. My 13-year-old said, who is this guy? Me. He's the guy who gave us the idea to give you all essays when you misbehave. This was followed by nearly simultaneous groaning and negative comments. And my 17-year-old concluded by saying, I wish you had gotten your parenting advice instead from Dr. Dre. I <laughs> love it. Oh, that's great, Leanne. Thank you. All right, let's further. Where was that? Okay, that's the 13th. Let me see what we got here. Um, let's go there, 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 there. Um, okay, that's that. I'm still moving forward, finding finding some of these. There's a bunch of them here. All right, let's get to this one. I sort of a dilemma, Doctor Ray, and it's uh, <clears throat> it's been disturbing my mind for quite a while. Twenty two years ago, I received a civil divorce and a Catholic annulment. We have two sons together, and my wife had a child that I had adopted. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but my ex-wife is a selfish and manipulative person. Five years ago, she picked an argument with me, and my kids cut me off. All right, now... I don't, I don't know from, from this in the beginning, I don't know what children he had by this woman. Okay, uh, He says he has two sons with his wife, and she also had a child that he had adopted, but apparently he had children from that first relationship. By accident, I saw a picture on my sister's Facebook of my two grandchildren, now six and five, and I'm going to assume that these grandchildren are from his first relationship, a boy and a girl. I've seen them before, twice, each as babies. My situation has always been one where my ex has dangled my sons before me. I often had to go 110 miles away to see them. All right, so we got a situation here where before these, I'm assuming, grown-up sons wrote him out of their life, he, he had periodic contacts, but, but by the distance, by the nature of the distance, he couldn't be as involved in their life as he might have wanted to been. Should I somehow reach out to my sons, although no contact? They've also done things in the past to my family, meaning apparently his present family. I don't know what those things are. 
So I feel that maybe I should let things be. I feel a bit of a dilemma. I think it comes down to, well, first of all, I would reach out and say, I'm thinking about you. I'm here. I saw on Facebook. I've wondered how you've been all this time. Uh, I hope we can connect sometime. I would love to catch up with you and see where your life is and how it's going. I can explain some things. If you have questions, I would be delighted to do that. You know, just that kind of thing. No guilt trip on them. No guilt trip on mom. However, I think the thing that would have to be part of this decision is when you say they've done things in the past to your family, what are those things? I mean, if these are things that are flat out serious, not just being obnoxious, not just saying ridiculous, stupid, put-downish type things, not just words is what I'm saying, but in fact, something that, uh, oh, could, in, could indeed put your family at, at some kind of, of risk. Now, now, that said... Even at that, that doesn't mean that you have to have them in your house. You can meet them somewhere. You can go where they are if that's possible or if they're open to it. You could do that. You don't have to include them already into your family. Now, if you're saying... Well, they've done things in the past to my present family, and I don't know how my family would feel about this. I think my family would take it personal that in some way I'm betraying them by trying to reconnect with my sons from that previous relationship. Well, run it by your family. Give them your reasons for doing this. Say, you are all means so much to me you're my world you mean the the world to me however these are also my sons and whatever that relationship has been I, I don't want it to be completely destroyed act as though they don't exist to go to my death having not talked to my sons for 42 years I don't really want to do that if there's any way not to do that. Now, if I attempt to reach out and they just flat out don't, then, in fact, nothing's going to happen. What if your present family says, we really don't want you to do that? I can't tell you what to do. I think I know what I would do. I would say, I respect that. But, again... These are not your sons. And so therefore that's a that's a relationship that is is something that uh, you don't want to break. Or at least you want to have some threads in it. So I, I probably and again I don't know how old your kids are, I don't know how your wife would feel about this. But again, it would it would it would have to be pretty strong for them to say, We don't want you to have any contact, don't do it. All right, it's Dr. Ray. Thank you. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, 
Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. If we think like children, can we get a better workout? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. For many of us, getting a workout means going for a run, lifting weights, or doing some push-ups. But are we having fun doing any of those things? Many experts suggest that we need to incorporate play and fun into our workouts, just like when we were kids. We got plenty of exercise, climbing trees, playing ball, or chasing a friend. Now some personal trainers are incorporating childlike routines in their planned workouts to keep things fresh and filled with fun. The experts suggest that we watch kids at play and mirror their exercise. Kids don't usually run for miles and miles. They run, stop, jump, and play. Then they do it again. They mix things up. They laugh, they still sweat, and they still get out of breath. They get a good workout. We can do the same. For more on playful workouts, head over to our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. I'm scrolling, scrolling on to newer e-persons. Getting close to, uh, where is this here? Okay. This is Dr. Reed. Do I have enough time for this? Andrew, what I got? I got about three or four minutes, right? Oh, I got five? Our 25-year-old son is dating with intent to marry a female coworker. See, that's a that's a that is an that is a critical line with intent to marry a female coworker. She has a speckled family background and broke up with a previous two-year two live-in situation to date our son. Although not cohabitating, they spend all their waking hours together. Our son encouraged her to complete RCIA in order to be confirmed, hoping to win our approval. <laughs> Excuse me. Our son now wants us, his parents, to accept this person into our family with hugs and smiles. We have resisted in hopes to discourage him from being yoked with someone of dubious spiritual maturity. A lot of prayer and counseling were invested in this, our youngest, who now seems to be discarding it for his first and only serious relationship. Is it okay to keep her at arm's length while encourage him to date others? Um, <clears throat> well, first of all, Dad, if you're thinking that be you are cool toward her and uh, making it clear you don't approve, that that's going to make him give her up, I think you got about a one in a hundred chance of that, from my experience. When a kid is in a relationship, a kid, young adult, is in a relationship and is clearly headlong into it, and the parents say, we don't approve, the parents lose. Now, I'm not saying the relationship is good for him. 
And I'm not saying that your judgment is wrong. I'm saying you can only lose by not accepting her. And if you say, but if we accept her, he'll think it's all okay. And he'll just go further and further into her. Dad, he's going to go further and further into her anyway. You said with intent to marry. He wants to marry this woman. Now, the one thing I might try in your shoes is I would say, your mom and I are going to welcome her. With hugs and kisses, as he says, we're going to welcome her. We would just ask that you don't rush into marriage, that you really get to know each other a lot more first. You'll have our warmth. Uh, if you want to include her in family gatherings, certainly. Christmas Eve, she'll be here, certainly. But would you please hold off on marriage? Just give it time because this will be for life, and you want to make sure that you really, really know this person. That's the approach I would take on this. But the approach is, and a lot of, a lot of parents do this, and they lose not only do they lose, they lose their son and then, or their daughter, and then what happens is this. If there is a marriage, and the marriage turns out okay, or not so okay, either way, there is bitter history there. And you don't want an in-law thinking, you know, you didn't accept me, you didn't like me. You tried to break us up. I don't have any love loss for you. You don't want to start out on those terms. That can hurt you bad. Because perhaps this young lady will come around. Or perhaps not. But if, if not, then you still got a problem. Which is, okay, she's capable of influencing your son to push you out of their lives, which would mean to push you out of the grandkids' lives. You don't want to risk that. So you're asking my advice. I'm saying at this point, you do your best to love and welcome the girl he has chosen, even though you're worried and nervous, understandably so, and maybe rightfully so. But see if he's open and willing to make sure that as best they can, they get to know each other well, better than now. There's so much of this now because the bottom line is that the younger generation is finding it very hard, much, much harder. I just saw a statistic. 25% of 40-year-olds are now unmarried. That is the highest since they've been taking stats going all the way back to 1900. So with less and less people in the faith, it is much harder now for someone to, who is in the faith to find someone equally in the faith. Thank you for joining me here on The Doctor Is In on this E-Person Monday. Thanks, Andrew Kruchek, for all you do over there in Ann Arbor. Walk with God. You be open to Him. He'll help you stay in the faith. Stronger with each step. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.